Uh, now I hear Earl. Hey, Earl. Hey, buddy. Can you hear me? Yeah. Can what hear you the hell's with that hat? Hi, Tony. Hey. What the hey. hell's with that hat? Listen, <laughs> stop it. Um, hey, uh, I'm, I'm trying to take the JR's job. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Tony Chimmel, and welcome to Road Trip After Hours. Please welcome your host, Mac Davis, and WWE Hall of Famer, Kenny Long. Holler! Holler, player. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Road Trip After Hours. I'm your host, Mac Davis, along with my co-host, WWE Hall of Famer, Teddy Long. Hey, Teddy. Holla, player. Teddy, we got a special guest I'm going to let you introduce because you've known this man for a very long time. If you will, take over. Well, yeah, man, I really appreciate that. And I want to say, first thing, uh, uh, it's, it's an honor and a, and, and a pleasure to have this man here on our podcast, Road Trip After Hours. Uh, this man here that, that when I first broke into the wrestling business, he was a big help for me. I mean, helped me throughout my whole career. Even when I was in NWA, he helped me. And then me and him end up working together in WC and WWE. So he's been right there by my side, him and his brother, David, God rest his soul, you know, through my whole career. So I ain't going to keep talking. Let's get this man on here. Ladies and gentlemen, let me introduce you to the GOAT, the legend himself, Earl Hebner. Yes. Earl, it's so good to have you here, brother. Hey, man, it's Kate. Let, let me ask you. I want to take. I want people to kind of go back in time uh, for those who may be watching, wondering. I know that face. I, I can tell you one of the first times I remember seeing your face was the early days of the NWA. Is that where you started your career, Earl? Yeah, that's where I got my goal. Now, when did you and Teddy run into each other? Because I know there was a point of time during Teddy's early years that y'all rode a school bus together and eating soused meat. That's the story I hear. <laughs> Man, well, I'll let Earl tell you about it too. I'll give you a little bit of history on it. Uh, when I first, you know, breaking in there, and uh, I started refereeing in uh, NWA with Jim Crockett, and uh, you know, the only person who really came up to me and really tried to help me was Earl. You know, and I, I got a lot of, lot of help from uh, Tommy Young. He was another one, but Tommy Young, he got mad at me because I started riding with the stars and he told me i couldn't do that i couldn't ride earlier today he said you you have no business riding with the stars so <laughs> so anyway uh <laughs> so i and me and earl was putting the ring up taking the ring down and at that time you know money was low we didn't have no money you know so we went in the grocery store and we'd buy a loaf of bread and maybe a dollar two dollars worth of sauce meat jesus christ i can't now, believe i ate that now explain <laughs> what <laughs> explain what sauce meat is <laughs> no, you don't want me to explain what South Media is, okay? It's, it's like eating a bucket. Of... It's everything but meat. Oh, everything yeah, it's but like meat. A, it's like eating a bucket of maggots. Oh, God. Well, I guess you got to do what you got to do, right, Earl? I guess that's why I had that five bypass back in July. It's back it up on me, son. It's back it up on me. <laughs> you got any great memories from those early days, Earl, working with Teddy? You have anything that you remember about Teddy and you two working together? Well, I tell you what, this is no joke. Uh, uh, when when I had my big school bus, I made a we put the ring in the back, and and the bus was petitioned off. And uh, I had a big ass cooler that I drilled a hole in, bolted down to the floor, and drilled a hole through the floorboard so all the water water would leak right out of the cooler, right on the road, going down the road. <laughs> but it was loaded with uh, drinks, Gatorade, and bologna uh, cheese and bread. 
And uh, back then, that's how we ate. Now, wait a, minute, wait, to, wait a minute, Earl. You left out one thing that was probably in that cooler. I didn't hear you mention. There had to be some beer in that cooler. Well, you know it was. But, <laughs> you know, I'm trying to... I'm trying to uh, uh, be sociable here. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so you had the, you had the knowledge to even make uh, your travel plans through that school bus uh, very convenient, so you didn't have to stop much or anything. I take it. Just for gas. Just for. <laughs> <laughs> the other time that I remember you, Earl, and this is something I want to talk to you about. Uh, there was a time back when I was a little bit younger. It was, of course, during the very first NBC's main event. I want to say that was 1988, uh, around yeah. there, when you appeared on TV, and so did your twin brother. Actually, your twin brother was supposed to appear on TV, but somebody took a payoff and uh, hopped in the ring. Would that have been you, Earl? Yeah, heck yeah, you know it, and I'm still taking payoffs. <laughs> <laughs> How, how did that all come about that day? Do you remember how that storyline came about and when you were told that you were going to be using your brother as a twin or using you as a twin with your brother? Well, my brother came home and he said, hey, Earl, listen to me. And this is when I was working for Crockett. And, uh, you know, we're making a little bit of money down there, not a whole lot. Yeah. And uh, they come up with this idea of uh, uh, they needed a set of twins. So, you know, my brother said, uh, Vince wants to fly us up and uh, talk to us and, and, and work a deal out. I said, okay. So uh, we flew up to Connecticut, and he came in, and he looked and talked and this, that, and the other, and uh, and he left. He said, well, I'll come back in a few minutes. You guys uh, let me know what you want to do. And, uh, you know, I was, you know, coming up like Teddy and I did, uh, we, you didn't want to disappoint nobody or let nobody down the right. business that we were in because there wasn't much spots or places for you to go. Correct. And uh, I told my brother, I said, I don't know, man. I I, I I just don't know what to do. He goes, what do you mean you don't know what to do? I said, I, I, I like Crockett and all of them. I've been with them so long and I, and, and, and I don't want to disappoint them. So anyway, to make a long story short, uh, Vince came back and uh, he talked to us and uh, he said, well, y'all let me know what you want to do. And then about that time, the lady walks in and she gives us an envelope. She says, Mr. McMahon gave this, told me to deliver this to you and you and Dave and uh, for for your time. And he'll be back in a few minutes. Open, open the envelope like this. And I'm going, I thought it was a letter or what the hell. I'm looking at it. I'm going, good God Almighty. <laughs> I'll do it. <laughs> that was it. That was the end of it. Hell, he paid me more right then than Crockett paid me the whole year. <laughs> when when you right. went out, when you went out to impersonate your brother during that uh, main event match, were you worried the fans were going to see that you weren't Dave? I mean, did you have that fear coming out that somebody was going to notice? Not really, because truthfully, the day I went into the building and I went right to Vince's office. When I walk, when I when I got out, walked, started walking. Everybody go, "Hey, Dave, how you doing? How you doing?" I go, "I'm doing good. How y'all doing?" Kept going. <laughs> so basically, you know, uh, Dave was a little bit heavier than I was, but I just kept moving, and 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 uh, hell, nobody actually really knew it. And the casual fans certainly wouldn't catch it if the guys in the no. back weren't catching it. So. No, even the uh, the the TV production people, uh, hell, they thought I was David. <laughs> I, I'm going to ask you one quick question about that match, something I've always wondered. 
there was a point in that match when Hulk Hogan picked you up, actually body pressed you and threw you over the top rope. <laughs> was somebody supposed to catch you because there was nobody there when you hit that floor? Hey, listen, we were at the warehouse and we practiced that damn thing over and over. Hogan picked me up and he was like going to hand me to them, right? When he picked me up and raised me up and started running, in my mind, I go, this ain't the program. This ain't what the hell we've been over. God <laughs> knows. Where am I going? And brother, he launched me. And I'm going to tell you what. I don't, the only people could have caught me would have been people in the 10th row. Wow. Wow. I kept thinking somebody was going to be sitting there and getting ready to catch you. Was there supposed to be somebody there, though? DBI, Virgil, and uh, Andre was supposed to catch me. But he was supposed to throw me to them. And brother, I thought I was a, I thought I was going in space. And then when I hit the floor, and then when I hit the floor, I crushed my rotor cup. Oh shit! In my, in my arm, in my shoulder. But you know, I was so excited, I didn't realize how bad I was hurt right then. And uh, uh, I went back uh, to my room, and Coach Vince, he had it all set up. Time I drank a case of beer, I didn't feel nothing. Took a couple pain pills. The hell, I I thought I was still flying again. But uh, but uh, man, the next morning I got on a plane. I was coming home, and I guess it was the pressure from the plane. I was moving my arm, and I went, "Holy smokes! I can't hardly move this thing." And uh, then uh, I ended up going down to uh, uh, Birmingham, Alabama. And uh, I can't think of the doctor's name. Doctor Andrew, he operated. He fixed me up, and uh, he said, "Oh, you'll be here. Uh, you'll be going home tomorrow." But after the operation and everything, they couldn't stop the bleeding or something. So I stayed. Uh, I think it was four days, maybe three or four days down there. Then I went to the uh, uh, therapy room and everything. But uh, you know, it was uh, it was. Well, did a Hogan? Did Hogan ever apologize? No. And did Teddy, did did DiBiase and the rest of the guys, where the hell were they when they were supposed to be in their place? Nobody. Only wanted to say the thing is, Verlo goes, yeah, man, I felt you on my my fingertips. I said, well, goddamn, you still didn't catch me. (laughs) (laughs) Teddy, you got some questions here? Uh, No, 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 no questions, man. I was just sitting there. That's a great story there. And uh, like I said, you know, it it, it always, some kind of way doesn't work out like it's supposed to. Like Earl said, they're supposed to catch him. How can you not be there? It's three guys, okay? And you know what your your positions are. You go there. Yeah. So I don't know. They were out of place, out of position. Uh, you know, maybe it might have just been a rib. They was, you know, because back then, guys were throwing ribs on your Earl would yeah, tell well, you Teddy, that. So, I, you know, Teddy, who knows? But just thank Earl. That was Earl a hell of a rib, Teddy. That was a hell of a rib. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, Earl, you know you and I have seen some hell of a ribs, I'm telling you. Earl, what's one of the best ribs you've seen uh, done? Uh, God no. That you can uh, talk well, about. I tell you what, I was in the ring with the Road Warriors, Tatanka, and I cannot think of who else was in there. And this was a TV show, right? Taping. Okay. Uh, they, The Road Warriors, and they kept fooling with me. Ba 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 ba. And then they said, go home, go home. It's time to go home. I said, go home, go home. They wouldn't go home. So I said, okay. They shot them off. I stood in front of them. I took a bump. Boom. I rung the bell. Ding, 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 ding. They go, that's not the finish. I said, it's the finish for the night. God damn it. Y'all don't want to listen. It's over. Went, went back in the dressing room. Pat Patterson was the agent. He goes, oh, my God. Help me. What are you doing? What are you doing? I said, I told them to go home. They wouldn't go home. So I went home. 
Oh, you got to go back. I said, I ain't going back. Oh, you got to go. We can edit the tape. You got to go back. I said, all right, I'll go back, but I'll tell you what, if they don't listen, the same thing will happen again. <laughs> all right, guys, we got to take a quick break. And when we come back, there's a question or two I still need to ask. And one of them, of course, is about the Montreal screw job. So we'll be back right after this. The Cauliflower Alley Club exists to help those in the wrestling business who have fallen on hard times. Your membership is the lifeblood of our club and mission. Annual memberships start at only $27.50 per year. Plus, by being a member, you can join us for our yearly reunion in Las Vegas, baby. Bright light city gonna set my soul, gonna set my soul on fire. Join us for our 57th annual reunion at the Plaza Hotel and Casino, August 28th through the 30th in Las Vegas. Honorees include Coco Beware, The Nasty Boys, and CM Punk. The Cauliflower Alley Club welcomes all members to our yearly reunion. Join the CAC and join us August 28th through the 30th in Las Vegas. But you must become a member first. Join the list of legendary wrestlers, both past and present, who are proud members of the CAC. The 57th Annual Cauliflower Alley Club Reunion in Las Vegas. To join the CAC, go to the Cauliflower Alley Club.org. That's Cauliflower Alley Club.org. You see it once, you'll never be the same again. Hey, all this is WB Superstar Sammy Zayn. Lena Vega here. And yours truly, the half man, half amazing Montel Montavious Porter MVP. You're listening to Road Trip After Hours with Mac Davis and Hall of Famer. With a certified G and a bona fide stud, and I'm not even talking about me, I'm talking about Teddy Long and my man Mac Davis. How you guys doing? Enjoy the show, guys. Welcome back to Road Trip After Hours. I'm Mac Davis along with WWE Hall of Famer Teddy Long and our special guest, Mr. Earl Hepner. Hey, Earl. Hey, buddy. I got a question for you. Now, you know you probably get asked this on every single podcast you do. But I want you to take me to the Montreal screw job. Can you tell me how your day started and where it ended that day? Because you were kind of put in a bad spot. You were stuck in the middle between two things that were taking place. And you're friends with everybody and your boss is asking you to do something. How much stress were you dealing with? Uh, more than my first two marriages. <laughs> Hopefully it wasn't as costly. <laughs> and yes, it was costly. It was costly. <laughs> but how uh, was well, that for you? It was. It was. Uh, it was bad. Uh, you know, uh, it was so many uh, things to think about on the right and the left, and and uh, God. But you know, I only found this out in the gorilla position, going to the gorilla yep. position, wasn't like I had to think about it all day long, you know, and it, it, it was, it was, uh, it was bad. Uh, you I know. would imagine because I know Brett had come to you and said, look, if Earl, if anything's up, let me know. And of course you didn't know until you went out of the curtain. And at that point you're going to the ring and now you do know what's going well, through your mind yeah. when you get out there. 
Well, the only thing is, like we were flying into uh, to the show that that morning, he bought me a first class seat, and he goes, uh, "Will you please not count me out?" I said, "No, I, I I will not count you out," and I didn't count him out. I mean, if you go back, yep. <laughs> yep. I it might have been right or wrong what I did, but I didn't count him out. You know. But I mean, going to the ring that really had to kind of worry you quite a bit the entire time. Because I would imagine until that, until you called for that bell, I mean, you, you, your ass had to been tight as a damn as it could be. I mean, it's just nothing you can do at that point. Brother, I thought I was walking. I thought that ring was on the other side of the world. I didn't think I'd ever get to that ring the way I was walking and thinking. I went, what the hell is this? Yeah. Now, what were you instructed to do when it was all over with? Did they tell you get the hell out the ring? Because I noticed you hopped out that ring mighty quickly and got on about no, your business. I, that was that was my own decision. <laughs> I said when I rung that bell, brother, I was gone. I told my brother to get the car running and be ready. And when I got in the car and shut the door, I, I could still hear the bell ringing. <laughs> <laughs> when did you talk with uh, Brett first after all that happened? Uh. I tried to talk to him a couple of times, but he didn't want to listen to me, this, that, and the other. And finally, uh, we were at a house show in, in Virginia, and I was booked on it, and he was booked on it. And I told the promoter if there's any problem, you know, I wouldn't show up. I didn't have to come to the show. And he called Brett, and Brett said he wanted me to, me and my brother, to be there. So we went there, and damn, he called us to the ring out of the blue. Did, had, no, had no idea. He just said, I want to bring uh, Dave and Earl in here in this ring for a few minutes. And I went, okay, now here comes my ass whipping in front of my hometown. <laughs> and uh, he put us over like no tomorrow, you know. And from then on, we've been friends. And uh, most of the – well, every podcast I've been on, the first thing I said is I'm not talking about the Montreal Screw Drive. And I, I told uh, Conrad that when he asked me to come on. I think I spoiled his uh, deal, but – <laughs> Nevertheless, I, you know, but but Brett and I are friends now, and uh, and and we get along good. We, in fact, we text each other around Christmas and Thanksgiving and everything else. And uh, you know, with my brother passing away, uh, he's texts me and and uh, keeps up with me, and and we're good friends. So, you That's know, cool. it's uh, it you know, the the more you stir it, the worse it stinks. So I'm his yep. friend now, and that's all that matters. This thing is about what twenty five years old. 20, oh yes, 20, oh, yes. twenty five years old. Hell, it's older than I am. I can't remember <laughs> even doing it. But you look. At least you know it will live on uh, in history, in wrestling history. So uh, you made a mark, even uh, whether it's good, bad, or indifferent. It was a mark in the wrestling business, which is the way I see it's a win win. What I'm, I'm asking, I'm Teddy, jump in anytime. I just got full questions, brother. So you know, <laughs> no, I'm, hey, no, I'm fine, man. I'm just you know really enjoying. You know, I've heard it before. You know, I've watched the Vice Channel when Earl was on there talking about it. But you know, they always hear the truth. You know, I mean, the real stuff in our business. You know, I can always sit down and listen to that. And so it just goes to show you, you know, this is the wrestling business, man. You know, people may call it fake or whatever, but you know, there's a real side to this too, and you can get hurt. Uh, you know, in this business too, by some of the guys that you work with. So that's why it really kind of pisses me off when people talk about it being not real. You know, yeah. they you just don't have any idea. But anyway, man, I'm just uh, happy that we had Earl here, you know, happy to talk with him, man. And like I said, this man helped me throughout my whole entire career. WCW, NWA, and when I went to WWE. So, and then after I got out of from being refereeing and start managing and stuff, I guess Earl 
didn't really know, you know, I could do all that. In fact, I didn't even know it. You know what I mean? Uh, Vince McMahon brought it all out, you know? And so the Earl was still, you know, Earl will tell you, I never changed. I was still that same guy and never let none of that go to my head. You know what I mean? So I'm just thankful to have a friend like Earl and Dave, God rest his soul, you know, but I certainly had a great time with both of them. Hey, let me say this. Let me go back to the old days. Uh, did, did, and Teddy, you know this as well as I do because we did it together. But the shows that we owned, that we were on, and I didn't have the ring, we rode in our car. We sat in the dressing room, so help me God, and we take change and put it in our hands and see if we had enough money to buy gas. Wow. Back then. Yeah. And, we, and we slept in our car in the rest areas. That's 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 the kind of payday we got from, from NWA. They didn't pay a lot. I think my first check, uh, my first check, or uh, my first, uh, my guarantee worth me in a night was $15. Now, back then, it was years ago, $15 was, was, was worth a lot of money then, and, and, and it'd be nothing now. But, uh, we just didn't live the luxury. I mean, the business that we're in and the people that we are, we never gave up and we worked for it and we hung in there regardless of what we had to do to get there. We got there. Yeah. But, and, uh, like Earl, and like Earl was saying, you know, wasn't a lot of money back then, man. When I first started refereeing, I was refereeing, putting up the ring, taking the ring down and doing all the matches on TBS. And all I made was $75 a week. That's hmm. all the money I made right there. And then I had to drive that big ring truck around and, and everything. So, uh, you know, don't talk to me about paying no dues. <laughs> and, I, and you know, see, I can see Earl now opening that envelope for that uh, twin payoff uh, storyline, oh. and I can see you're going, "Oh, there's no question in my mind what I'm doing." So, <laughs> brother, uh, come on here now. I, <laughs> yeah. Hey, I've never seen those many dots on uh, uh, zeros on the paycheck. You're thinking <laughs> that's 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 a yearly paycheck right here? What the hell, <laughs> man, man? What are you talking about? <laughs> hey, but you know what? Let me say this too, uh, Teddy. Kenny's a, a, a gifted guy. I mean, he's talented, and he can do things. I can only count to three and screw up a match or, or screw somebody in a match. Kenny's got more uh, 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 opportunities because he can talk on the mic. He's a great guy. He's a great worker, and he can do just about any. It's only one thing that he couldn't do that I can remember. He couldn't, drive that damn, he couldn't drive that damn school bus. He'd sit in the back and, and, and eat them bloated sandwiches and drink that beer, but he'd never move up front to drive that steering He'd never touch that steering wheel. <laughs> that bus was too big. I was too, I was too scared to drive it. It was too big. <laughs> damn, after that 12-pack you drank, you were too big, too. <laughs> no, but I'm going to tell you what. Uh, honestly, uh, 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 Words are beyond uh, of the relationship that I had with Teddy and the love I have for him. And God bless me for meeting him and going down the road with him because we both, uh, we paid our dues, like you said, and we struggled, but uh, we turned out to be two great family members. We're not friends. We're family. Right. Absolutely. Earl, I would just want to say thank you very much for your time. We're going to have to get you back on the show for another show. Like we said in the very beginning, our shows are short. They're short and sweet, so we can back, bring you back at another time and hope you'll come back and see us. 
Well, you better put about uh, uh, 45 minutes or 60 minutes on the next one because this 30 minute shit ain't cutting the muscle with me, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Mac Davis. That's WWE Hall of Famer Teddy Long and our special guest, Mr. Earl Hebner. We'll see you next week. Holla. Holla, holla if you hear me, Blair. <laughs> <laughs>